Well, here we go. It's going to be fun. Um, this is Cole. For those of you that don't know Cole, Cole is our student pastor slash social media pastor. Wow. And then do what? I said, wow, I got an applause. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people love you, man. Wow. I mean, you're lovable, mostly. Um, but Cole, tell them a little bit about student ministry. Just, just give them a, just give them the 30,000 foot view. Everyone's in night, six through 12th grade, uh, right here, six thirty to eight. Is it amazing? We love young kids. We're preaching the gospel, seeing life change. It's happening, man. It is. It's awesome. So if you got a six through 12th grader right here is the place to be on Wednesday night. So we have not, um, seen these questions. We, we literally don't know what's coming up on the screen. Uh, but, but if you get mad or offended at a question today, remember, you asked for it, all right? And if you get mad or offended at an answer today, cole.farlow, oh I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. So let's just dive right in and, <laughs> and, and go for question number one. Here we go. Oh, my. Okay. You want to read it? Uh, yeah. From a biblical perspective, is it okay to allow our middle school and teenage boys to watch TV shows and movies that support and portray the gay and transgender narrative? My answer would be it depends. It 100% depends. If you are willing to watch it with them, and then walk them through what the Bible actually says about it and, and what, what, the, what the world says versus the Bible says, I would say it's a great conversation piece. I would say it's a great way to have a conversation. But if you're going to let them watch it and the excuse is going to be, well, teenagers are going to watch it anyway, I'm just going to let them watch it, that's actually called weak parenting. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't approach it that way. Cole, you got... Yeah, I think what, what I'm seeing is that young people are getting older faster yes. in today's world. So, like, man, I, even, like, five years ago, we 12-year-olds had phones. Now, seven-year-olds have phones. Um, and we're just we're seeing uh, access to information, all of the information in the world, at a much younger age. And I think we should value actually preserving innocence in young people mm -hmm. um, because we're just, again, I'm seeing young people handling, trying to figure out and navigate too much information from all different sorts of sources rather than parents, school, and church. And I think, again, at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, at younger ages, I think those should be the sources of, of information where young people, that people are getting their Im information. Does that make sense? Yeah, I didn't even know where babies came from when I was in sixth grade. <sighs> me neither, until recently. Me, me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just move on, we'll just move on, <laughs> move on. Um, I've been attending Second Chance for a few months and was wondering about membership. Is it as simple as just attending? No, no, it's not. You actually need to get involved. You need to serve. We don't really have a formal membership class. We may one day. We're, we're almost five years old. We're still in kindergarten. We just got out of pull-ups and we just learned how to pee in a pot. So just um, be patient with us. But, but uh, show, show, listen, showing up 
is, is, is great, but when you actually get involved, that's when you actually begin to grow. And so I, I would just say your next step is stop at the desk out there um, and tell them you want to get involved and start serving. That's um, I, anything? Yeah, I just, it's crazy. The amount of people that have taken that step to say, you know, I'm going to go from just being somebody that sits in a chair and watches a service to I'm going to be somebody that gets involved. You almost said pew, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> sits in the pew. We don't have those. We don't have those. Thank God. But just, I, it's funny to hear people, like we talk about it, and then the people that do that, they're, they're like, wow, you guys were right. You know, now that I'm connected, I know people, and it's like I have a small group, and, you know, I feel more connected to Jesus and this church and what we're doing. And, and so truly, I think, like, it's actually been a strategic move for us, not like almost not to have membership yeah. and, and to ask that, hey, maybe when you take that next step of faith and, and step out there and serve, that's when you're actually going to get what you're looking for. Absolutely. All right. Next. Oh, my. Dear God. I've never okay. read something this well, long. Well, Mayor, let's take a smoke break. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. This might be a serious question. I'm sorry. My sister and her one-year-old granddaughter died nine and a half years ago. People would tell me my sister was in heaven looking down on me. And those words really made me so angry. I've always been taught that heaven is a place with no tears or pain. And I feel that if she can see me, the rest of our family, then she couldn't possibly be happy knowing that we are all so heartbroken at the loss of her and that precious baby. What are your thoughts? Do you think our loved ones in heaven can see us? Cole? My initial thought is I don't know. I've never been there. But, I mean, honestly, I... This is what I think about heaven. I think it's an amazing place. And I, I, when we're there, I don't think that we're going to be uh, worried about much else other than Jesus. You know, there's four different places in the Bible that people uh, go to, to heaven, essentially. And every single time, these people are just so, they're almost terrified because of the presence of God. And, and it's, it's the only thing to them that matters. It's so great and wonderful that, that it's almost sensory overload. Right. And so I don't know if this is answering your question or not, but I, while I know that your sister and granddaughter love you, I, I think that if they're in heaven, they're so enamored by the presence of Jesus that, man, I, I don't even know if we could imagine it. Yeah, my honest answer to this question is I don't really know. But what I will tell you is that I believe that if you're in heaven – and you can see earth, you, you're not looking at it through a human lens. You're looking at, you're looking at it through the, the lens of how Jesus sees and how God sees. And so when we see earth as how God sees earth and how it's going to be one day, I think there actually is room for joy in that. But yeah. that is a, that's called a theological guess. That is not, I don't even have a verse for that other than heaven is going to be awesome. That's all in like the end of the book of Revelation. Second so, Perry chapter Second two. Second Perry chapter four. There we go. There we are. <laughs> Next question. Um, why are some churches so picky on clothing while others are not? You want me to go first? I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, I think this goes back to the whole, like, you know, give God your, your best sort of thing, which I think is just foundationally wrong because I think God is pleased with you with exactly how you are. And I think there's this myth in a lot of churches, and I went to a church like this growing up, that you got to clean yourself up to go to church. And the reality is it couldn't be further from the truth, is that Jesus loves you right where you are, how you look, no matter what you did last night, last week. 
Now, that said, don't wear like your bikini to church or anything, please. <laughs> Is there a verse for that one? Don't wear a bikini to yeah. church? Um, I don't know. Do not cause a man to stumble. I mean, I, uh, so funny story. I'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but I've actually gotten some pretty good church fights over this right here. The whole give God your, your best thing. And, and, the, and the problem with that is you can, you can show up dressed like this and people think there's something wrong with you. But you can show up in a coat and tie but be addicted to porn, and, but it's okay because you had a coat and tie on. And, and that's a problem. And I remember reading the book of Isaiah one time and I came across this verse. Uh, Isaiah 29, 13 says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned, by, um, le learned over time. Man-made rules. Their worship of me is man-made rules. Who came up with you have to wear a dress to church? Who came up with you have to wear a suit to church? Who came up with you can't wear a hat to church? Who came up with you have to wear pantyhose to church, ladies? Aren't you, aren't you, aren't you glad you're set free from some pantyhose today? in the house. It's, it's not about what we wear, it's about our hearts. Jesus is after our hearts, not our, our attire. Um, and by the way, I think if you got your heart in the right place, you, you won't be dressing all like crazy like stuff. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool to me, like when uh, the, the nation of Israel is selecting a, a king, you know, God tells Sam, they're, they're looking at the biggest, strongest, best looking guys. And, and God goes, no, I want that little guy over there. And they're like, what? And God tells Samuel, you know, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. And that's good. That's good. That's good. Next question. Next question. This is fine. Is it okay for a Christian to not be okay with those transitioning? How, huh? Wait, hold on. Is it okay for Christians to not be okay with those transitioning? How can I be Christ-like with this population? I guess this is the transgender thing? Um, I is that what so. you think? I think. I mean, I'm sure they're not talking about like transitioning to like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Which is scary. Uh, it is scary. Which is very scary. Um, all right, yeah, you ask, I'll answer. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay with it because it's not okay. And I'm, listen, if you're struggling with gender dysphoria, then I'm glad you're here and I love you. But to affirm what is gender, gender dysphoria is a mental illness. So what people call gender affirming care 10 years ago in church world, when it happened in Africa, we were calling it genital mutilation. And just because you change a term, it doesn't change the fact. So, and it's different. If somebody's in their 40s or 50s and they're transitioning, then, you know, you're 40 or 50 and you're going to transition. Um, now, it's not, it's not going to make you happy. It's not going to bring the fulfillment. It's not going to bring the peace that you're looking for. But when people are trying to transition children, that's a whole separate matter. And, and I think parents are going, listen, we're going to have to take a stand. 
It's, it's, if we don't take a stand now, by the time the government gets involved, and they, and they are getting involved in several states, um, we're going to have to take a stand. So at the end of the day, I don't care if a person is gay or straight or bi or trans. I can love you and I can be your friend, but me loving you and being your friend does not mean that I approve of everything that you do. In fact, I think that's when a friendship is the strongest is when two people don't agree on something, but they can still be friends even though they don't agree. So I think it's okay to not be okay, but it, the way we approach it, it really does matter. I, like if, if you are in that process and you're here, once again, I'm glad you're here. But the Bible says in Isaiah chapter five, woe to those who call evil good and who call good evil. I think, I think, I think our Senate and our house in, in should open with those words every single session. God help them. Can I preach? Yeah. Um, okay, first off, I, I just want to say, listen, gender dysphoria, it's, it's a real thing. It does happen. And if that's you, we, we love you and we're with you. We understand that that's a struggle. Now, I want to kind of talk about this from my perspective as I work with young people. Um, we have a lot of, and when I say young, I'm talking like incoming sixth graders each year that um, like quite a bit. <laughs> of them will identify as trans or gay or bi or, you know, whatever at a very young age. And th this, is kind of, this is kind of how I'm going about this from a young person's perspective is one, at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, you're not, your brain isn't developed enough to put a stake in the ground and right. say, this is who I am. We're, we're, you're just not old enough yet. And what happens is you'll have, let's say, a young girl who, who likes a boy at school, you know, and maybe the boy doesn't like her back. She's hurt. And what happened, and this is just a, a scenario, and what happens is that that young girl will then find a little bit of maybe comfort in the fact that, maybe, wow, this girl, you know, is kind of giving me, she, you know, she loves me. And what happens is you have this feeling, and what we really struggle with right now is if I feel it, it's my reality. Is I, I felt this way yep. about this girl, and so maybe that is who I am. And the reality, and this is what I keep telling our students, is you, you cannot trust your feelings. You cannot trust your feelings. A, a, a really good marker of immaturity in somebody's life is somebody that, that allows their feelings to become their reality. Okay. And so this is what I said actually this last week. I said, guys, your brain needs a bouncer. And this is for everybody. Your brain needs a bouncer. You know what a bouncer is? The person at the club checking the ID sort of thing. So every single day, we have thoughts and emotions coming in and out of our minds. And what we do a really bad job of is, is checking those thoughts and taking them captive. So you have a thought or emotion coming to your mind. And what we should do immediately is, is ask, are you from God or not? If it's from God, you can stay. If it's from the devil, you don't get to stay. Amen. Just because I feel it or think it doesn't mean that's who I am. I mean, that was fire. The, the only I thing I would up. add, and I just caught this, um, be, be careful with saying this population because in, instead of this population, it's easier to lump people in groups, but you, they're people, they're individuals that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. And so, 
if, if it's easy to say LGBTQ, um, it's easier to say that than, than Linda. But when you say Linda, it just got a lot more real. That's good, man. And so let's make sure that we're putting names on people instead of labels. That's good. All right, next. This is fun. Let's take a chance to start having small groups such as weekly Bible studies and other groups similar to the way you did at New Spring. Uh, probably not in the future anytime soon. We've got serving groups. Our community groups are serving groups. We've got people that get together and they serve together and that's the way we do it. This is not New Spring 2.0. This is second chance. And we're gonna do, and that's not, listen, that's not to, I'm not saying anything bad about my former church. I'm just telling you, we're, we're doing it a little different here. And we've got, we've got more people connected and more people happening through community. Now, if you wanna have a Bible study or a prayer group, nothing's holding you back. Have a Bible study, have a prayer group. But when people serve together, when people serve together and do life together, those are the people that stick together. So. Yeah, I would just add to that, like, I feel I've had conversations with multiple people where it's almost like they're waiting on us to make a decision as a church to help them take their next step, which is great. We love doing that. But I would encourage you, like, if you, if you feel the call to do life with people or, or to study the Bible further, like I would, you are allowed to take that step without us. You're not without us, but you have our permission. You know what I'm saying? Like you go, go find people to do life with, go study the Bible with somebody like go for it. You know, we're not, whether or not we have small groups or not, doesn't hold you back from, from right. taking your next step is what right. I'm saying. Just I guess. grab you somebody in the lobby and make them take you to lunch after this. Next. I'll go. Is it a sin to have your family member cremated and then keep their ashes or divide them with family members? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little weird. Um, Just to be honest, I'm just saying what most people, no, it's not a sin to be cremated. That's our melting pot. It's it's not a sin to be, this gets asked every time. I had my father cremated. And, and this is what people say, well, when Jesus comes back and you're supposed to get, do you think Jesus and his power is going to be limited as, as to whether or not we have like skeletal remains in the earth? Like he's bigger than that. He's, he's bigger than that. So now as far as what you want, like that's, that's between you and your family. That's between you and your family, how y'all handle that. That is 100% a personal decision. I, yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to say. Okay. That's great. Next. My 16-year-old son is an atheist. I want more than anything for him to come know Jesus the way I have. Other than praying for him, what can I do? Do I force him to come to church with me? Do I cut off from his atheist friends who think are influencing his beliefs? Cole, what do you think? Uh, I think, now I'm not a parent of a teenager, so mad respect to all of you that are and have been, because, I mean, I work with them, and that's hard enough. Um, I, I think there is this, this weird line where parents have to parent really well. Like, I do, I do think kids should go to church. I, I really believe, especially in our church, I think we do a great job here of at least making church fun, making it relatable, uh, and, and, and teaching truth. Um, 
But there also is this thing too, and I, I guess I don't know where the line is or where the age is, where you have to, to start realizing like, one, we have to make that decision on our own at some point in our lives. And two, I oftentimes, when I, when I get frustrated by, you know, with, with someone, you know, where they're at spiritually, and all, I have to remember, how patient was God with me? Like, wow, that's good. How, you know, how many times did I screw it up, run away from him and do something stupid and, and sin over and over and over again? And how, how patient was he with me and so many other people that I, I know in my life? You know, some people were addicts for 40 years and God still had a plan for their life. And so I, I would just encourage you that one, yeah, you need to be a parent and, and navigate that parent-son relationship, but also really choose daily to say, you know, I'm praying and I'm going to trust God. He's in your hands and that's all I can do at the end of the day. I think one of the most difficult things about being a parent, um, and I will probably never write a parenting book. If I did, it'd be a really short one um, called How to Screw It Up uh, because, because I think, man, we all could probably write that book, right? I think that one of the most difficult things about being a parent is is understanding that there will be a day in our child's life where we as a parent move from control to influence. Because when they're, they're, the first several years of their life, you have to control them to keep them alive, right? You, you, you have to tell them no. You have to forcefully like remove them from danger um, and a lot of the times the, the problems happen as parents when we, we can't make that transition. And so if you've got a 16-year-old, I would say, because um, I have a 16-year-old, and I would say it, it's, it's time to move to influence. So can you make them come to church? No, but you, what you can do as a parent is, is have a great conversation with, with, with your child saying, help me understand why you think this way, because my suspicion would be is they don't necessarily have a problem with God. They probably don't have a problem with Jesus. They either have a number one problem with church or number two, they just wanna live how they wanna live and saying that you're an atheist is the easiest way to do that. That would be, but that whole control to influence things tough. Can I ask you a follow-up question to that? When do you know how to make that switch from control to influence? Oh, I'm still figuring it out. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's it's just that's a really good man. I, I don't know. think you, you should write a book. Bash on is it. like less. You can control him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should. Okay. Our Addy should. Five months is. Yeah, five months. Not, yeah. Okay. Definitely control. All right. Okay. Next question. Please, re- please explain why we only receive Ooh. communion about once a quarter when the apostles gathered each week at church and broke bread and gave thanks. That's a great question. Wow. So in the Bible, you got, you got a couple different categories. You got, you got prescriptive and you got descriptive. Prescri- descriptive is this is what happened. Prescriptive is this is how you're supposed to do it. So when the Lord's Supper happens and we, we see it happen in, in the Bible, it's always a description. But as to how often a church has it, is completely up to the local church. Now, the reason we only do it once a quarter is because every time we do communion here at Second Chance, I want the entire service to be based around communion. 
I want everybody to understand what we are doing and why we are doing it. I never want to add it on to the end of a service as an add-on just so we can feel good about the fact that we took communion that Sunday. I never want to do that. Now, I'm not against churches that do that. It's just for years, I never understood what it was to have communion, and I want it to always, always mean something when we do it here at Second Chance. And I don't think it means something if we do, oh, by the way, here's a wafer and some grape juice. Let's celebrate the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah, I just think things like, like communion, when, it, when they become so familiar, it actually takes the power of what it means away. So it's actually one of those things, like if we just did it every week, I mean, I kind of repeat what you said. I feel like it would, it would become a religious thing where we just did it rather than an actual recognition of, of and, and a thank you to Jesus for what he did for yeah. us. You know what and I mean? By the way, the reason I'm taking my phone is because I've got somebody, if we get a pretty, like, like a uh, on the line question, they're texting me and asking me, is it okay? So that's why I'm checking We're my texting. phone. texting. Nobody else is texting me. No, nobody's. I'll text you. Okay, don't. <laughs> Next question. Mom, um... Oh, wow. wow. My mom and aunt were killed by an 18-wheeler two years ago. How do I forgive the driver who was at fault? I mean, hmm. let's just admit, number one, that sucks. Yeah. And if you're in this service or you're watching online and this is your question, I'm incredibly sorry. Um, number two, for forgiveness for anybody, especially this situation, is incredibly difficult. But forgiveness is a choice. We're never gonna feel like forgiving somebody. Forgiveness is a choice. And sometimes it's a choice we have to make not only daily, but hourly. In Matthew's gospel, I think it's Matthew 18 or 19, Jesus, I mean, Peter comes up to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times, and seven is the number of perfection, and, or, or completion, I'm sorry. And, and Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, which, which means you are to continually forgive somebody over and over. That means that the enemy, especially in our weakest moments, brings up the people that are, have hurt us the most. And when he does that, it's to get us sidetracked. But in that moment, if we choose to be like Jesus, who, by the way, when he was crucified, prayed for, for, the, for the forgiveness of the men that were murdering him. That's the man I follow. And I'm telling you, I'm not there yet. But every single day when I get angry at people from my past, I've got to make the conscious choice to forgive. And it's not easy, but it's right. And it will set you free. Amen. So good. Yeah, I think I would have basically said the exact same thing. Um, I would just add, and I, I know you guys have heard us talk about forgiveness and stuff like this before, but just a reminder that, like, I love this saying, unforgiveness is like drinking deadly poison and hoping the other person dies. Um, and, and the reality is, is, like, Jesus asks us to forgive, I think, because it's freedom for us. It's, it's actually for us. It's not 
It's not for the other person. And so things like anger and bitterness and revenge, those are actually prisons that we live in. And forgiveness is actually the key um, to unlocking that cell, you know? It is. So. Next, Ed. Next. We've got, whoa. My fiance and I are close to getting married and he used to be my sister. Whoa, okay. Wow, we just went Jerry Springer. Did y'all feel that? Dang. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna have to stretch for this one. Is there okay. a verse hold in the on. Bible for this? Wait, hold on. My, so my fiance and yeah, probably in Genesis. I was um, gonna say. My fiance and I are close to getting married and he used to be my sister's husband. I know, I know. We know it isn't the best situation. Uh-huh. We pray, oh, we've asked for forgiveness, and we want to be married. I think I keep putting it off because I don't want to go to hell because of it. Okay, that's not going to happen. You're not going to hell for this. Um, uh, well, you might. We really, I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. That's we, a joke. We really, really love each other, and we are at peace and have a great family just in the back of my mind, I think of it. I'm glad somebody asked this. I mean, not, okay, let me, let me just, let me tell you what I, let me just, and listen, this is, this is just what I feel in this question. Whoever asked it, and this is why I'm glad I don't know who asked this question. It feels like to me and how many words are in this question and the way that it's particularly worded that you're trying to justify something. It feels like to me that you already know the answer. Now you're not going to hell. You go to hell because you don't know Jesus. That's it. You go to hell because you refuse to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. That's it. But it, but it feels like to me just throwing it out there, that this is a question that says, this is what I want to do. Please tell me it's okay. Because at the end of the day, if you have a really great family and this happens, you're not going to have a really great family anymore. Cole? Can I play the other side of the, this coin a little bit? No, there's if you just don't so agree with me, I'll fire, I'll fire your butt right here on the stage. <laughs> okay, next no, question. No, go ahead, man. No, no I, that's what, I love that. And I love not, it. This is not to disagree with you, but... No, I love it. I, I, this, is, I, this is complex. And yeah. I do think a lot of people find themselves in very complex and confusing and difficult situations in life, okay? Maybe it doesn't look exactly like this, but I, I think there are a lot of people in different situations wondering this question, can God bless this? Is there any scenario in which God can ever bless this situation? Because it's a mess. And I think the reality is that, yes, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's a situation that God can't bless. I think we, we ourselves can walk ourselves into weird situations that where we are, are 10 miles away from where we, where we saw ourselves being, you know, or where we were supposed to be. But I, I think along the way, God always 
says, listen, I know that you, you think that you are too far from my blessing. I'll, I'll give it to you anyway. It's, he's too good to, to not love us. <laughs> That's good. I don't know. It's no. I agree with that. Does that I make did. sense? I totally, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's good. Cole will not be joining me for the next two <laughs> services. I'm just, I'm just. No, I'm. I love that. I love that. I love that. I really do. Next question. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. It. That, I mean, all the mail goes the same place. All the mail goes same place. It it same God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All the mail goes same place. You can say God or Jesus, just don't say Mary. Yeah, Amen. Respect to my Catholic friends, but she didn't save anybody. Next question. I agree, Perry. I agree with you. <laughs> Is it wrong to have sex before marriage? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even if you know you're going to marry that person. But do you? Huh. But do you? I mean, do you? I mean, how many stories do we know of people that were engaged and didn't get married? Yeah. Do you? You want to disagree with that, Cole? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, next question. Oh, man. I know I've been called to ministry, but I get so frustrated with churches who demand a degree to be on staff and all the buddy system that goes on. How has what you've been through changed your perception hmm. on people becoming leaders in the church that has been radically changed by God? It's a good question. It is. So let me just be, I've never, I've never asked for a Bible degree. I don't, I don't even know who on our staff has a college degree and who doesn't. I, listen, you can look for two things in the church. You can look for anointing or pedigree. And anointing mm. trumps pedigree every, every time. time. You show me somebody that's called and gifted and anointed by God. And I will choose that person to be on staff every time over the person that has more degrees than a thermometer after their name. By the way, if somebody's got all these titles after their name, I got it. Man, I don't trust them. There's some problems there. I, got, I don't trust them. Mm -mm. I don't trust them. Mm -mm. If you got to tell me who you are and all your titles, eh. All right, so we're going to do three more questions. We're going to do three more, and we're going to land the plane. So, Ed, make sure the last three are the, are the best. Spiciest. The, the spiciest, the sauciest. That makes me very the, nervous. The, the ones that make us want to fight, throw chairs. And we'll make up next week because everybody gets a free T-shirt, all right? Yep. Next question. So, here, here's the Do all marriages, separations, and divorce? No. Can they recover? Yes. It's simple. Okay, so, so let, me, let, me ask, let, let me just ask this question. And if, you've, if you don't feel comfortable raising your hand, you don't have to. No pressure. But just in this room, how many people, you're married to somebody right now, your marriage went through a tough time, you didn't know if you would make it, but you made it. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, look around. Mm. There's your answer. 
Beautiful. There's your answer. Listen, as, listen, as somebody that has been through a divorce, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, divorce sucks. If you've ever been through a divorce, if you've ever been through one, you have never told another person. That was the most fun process I've ever gone through in my life. It made me feel like a winner. It made me feel like a champion. It made me feel victorious. I sang victory in Jesus all the way to and from the courthouse. Like nobody's ever said that. And if you did, you were high on crack, which is another problem that needs to be addressed. Okay, if you've been through a divorce, you would admit divorce sucks. But now, now I also say there is life on the other side of it. But I would tell you, if there's any way, if there's any way to fix that marriage, do your best to, to dive in and fix that thing. Um, but if you've gone through a divorce, I'm telling you, there is, there is life on the other side of it. I mean, you're just preaching, man. You're stealing all my ammo. So I... You're the man. I agree with everything you said. I have nothing to add. Trying to keep his job after that, after that one thing. <laughs> All right, we got two more. So two more, two more. Our son has told us that he is gay. How do we deal with this and not lose our son? He told us that he thought about killing himself because of this. He is a Christian, but he seems somewhat angry at how the church handles gays. Once again, let's be real careful, um, and I don't want to be sensitive to the parent that asked this question, but let's be real sen- sen- let's be real sensitive to that word right there. I would say gay people. Categorizing. Yeah, categorizing people. Um, Cole, uh, it, this is to, I don't know how old the son is. I'm gonna assume. Would you assume younger than eighteen? Yeah, yeah, teenager. Yeah, yeah, that's what I guessing. that's what I figured. Um, man, I think this goes back to what you were saying about uh, control versus, what did you say? Control versus? Influence. Influence. Um, Again, at some point in in a teenager's life, I think you have to make that switch. Now, also back to what I said earlier, like I I would, let's say this is my son and he's 12. I I would say, hey bud, I love you no matter what and I'm gonna love you no matter what. Let's push the pause button on making this decision right now. I, I think it's too important a decision to make at this point in life. Let's, let's just wait, <laughs> okay? That, and I also will say this, I, I am honest, I'm honestly getting a little bit sick of how just our culture making sexuality your identity, okay? Like, I don't know why we've turned sexuality into an entirely who a person is. There's so much more to a person than, like, I don't, if somebody were to ask me, Cole, who are you? I wouldn't say, I'm straight. Like, there's so much more to me than being straight, Good. okay? I, I do think the, the way we emphasize sexuality, even the way some churches emphasize their, them being against sexuality actually does the opposite <laughs> it like puts it under the magnifying glass and i like i don't know if it was my son again i would say hey man this is not who you are you you belong to jesus you are not your sexuality okay the, I, you were I, looking at me kind of weird there no i was into it okay. um it's good I, as parents and as friends or whatever we have we have two choices we have two choices we can choose the relationship or we can choose to be right which one is more valuable for me I would always choose the relationship over being right 
and when you I choose to the write a parenting book, actually, the, not, no, this I'm, that's only the, uh, those are the only two things I know. Um, when you when you choose the relationship over being right, then however your child identifies, it doesn't matter because they know they're going to have a relationship with mom or dad, no matter what. One of the things I tell Karis, um, and I've told her this since she was six months old. Hmm. I love you always and forever, no matter what. She's heard that since she can, like, I love you always and forever, no matter what. So at the end of the day, if, if you want to have a theological discussion on sexuality in the scriptures, I can, I can win that argument all day long. But if I win the argument and push somebody away, Am I more like Christ or am I more like the Pharisees? So good. And I want to, and I say that, listen, I say that as the pastor of a church as well, because I have, I have spoken to gay people who attend this church, who I love. And, and I've had people stand in our lobby and tell me, I know you don't agree with, with my lifestyle, but I'm thankful for the way that you disagree with it. It's, it's not what, listen, it's not what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it. And at the end of the day, I can love you as a person and not endorse your behavior. Because listen, Jesus loved me and didn't endorse my behavior a lot of times. All right, is this the last one? We got last one? Last one. Yes, sir. Pastor P, do we really need to start another campus or campuses? Why can't we just keep what we got and focus on growing it as much as possible? Y'all, first of all, y'all thank Cole for, for being with us. Cole, I'm gonna take this one. I'm going to be incredibly honest with this one. I wish we could. I wish this was the only church, this room right here, was the only room I'd ever speak to again. I wish we wouldn't, I wish, I wish Greenville, other campuses, all that stuff, I wish we wouldn't even talk about it. But it's deeper than that. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to start a church again. I was finished with church because I thought church was finished with me. But then this happened and it's continuing to happen and it's continuing to grow. There's this thing that Jesus said about going to all the nations and reach as many people as possible and I thought with all these churches in America that seem to be declining and our church is growing and people are getting saved I don't think I could stand in front of God one day and say I gave it my best if we just kept things like they are and maintained instead of fulfilling the great commission if I had my way, 
If I had my way, this would be our only campus and this would, this would be about as big as it would ever get because I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to have a bigger church or a bigger platform. I don't, I don't need that personally. But hell is too hot and life is too short for us to not pursue the Great Commission and try to reach as many people as possible. Now let me tell you where this, let me tell you why, let me tell you why this is the last question. This is the last question because for me, this isn't, this is me going against my personal preferences. My personal preferences were I'd never pastor again, I would never get the church, grow, grow the church, I would never do this again. But at the end of the day, as a follower of Jesus, the call on my life is not to get God to buy into my ways, but for me to buy into his. And that happens through this daily process called surrender. And the more we surrender ourselves to God, the more we surrender ourselves to God's word and God's spirit, the more alive he becomes in us. And the more alive he becomes in us, the more obedient we'll become. And we will take steps of faith that will blow people's minds. And God will begin to do a work in us that we never even imagined. And it's not because of how great we are, it's because we are willing to daily surrender ourselves to Jesus. So Father, right now, what is that thing that you wanna do in us? What is that thing that you wanna do in each person in this room? What is that thing that you wanna bring alive in everybody in here? What is that step of faith that you want us to take? What is that miracle you want us to believe for, God? What is that thing that we've been holding on to that we need to let go of? God, like, would you come in like this mighty rushing wind? Would you set our hearts on fire and set our minds on fire and set our souls on fire? Because we know that you are a living God and that you are greater and that you are higher, that you have a plan for us. Jesus, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the fact that your word is true and that we can stand on your word. And right now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, I wonder if there's somebody that you need to surrender something to Jesus. You need to surrender that next step to Jesus today. You need to surrender that worry to Jesus today. You need to surrender that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter to Jesus today. You need to surrender that anxiety today. You need to surrender that sin and surrender that shame that the enemy tries to continually bring on. You need to, you need just to give that to Jesus because he can handle it. He can handle it. And maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to Christ. And you know that that's your next step, that you need to give your life to Jesus today. And if that's your next step and you wanna to pray to receive Christ today, then I'm gonna ask you in just a second to, to invite him into your life through a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer from the stage and I want you to say this prayer out loud. But as you may already know, you don't have to say it alone because Everybody in this room in our Second Chance family, we're gonna say this prayer with you. So if you wanna to pray to receive Christ today, I want you to pray this at Second Chance family. Let's pray it with them. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ into your life, if you just surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you, I want you to do me a favor, because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Do me a favor right now, just hold up your hand in the air and hold it up high, hold it up really high so I can see it. I want to see it, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you, keep it up, 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 keep it up. God, thank you so much that you have saved people today. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you have changed lives today. Thank you so much for salvation in this house. God, I pray as we walk out of this room, we would walk out, God, fully surrendered to you fully surrendered to take our next step. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, me too. I hope you have a great week and we'll see y'all back next Sunday for I Love My Church.